Welcome to the Landmark Theatre's Q&A podcast. Today, moderator Pete Hammond speaks with writer-director Pedro Almodovar and actor Antonio Banderas about their new film, Pain and Glory. This conversation was recorded at the Landmark in Los Angeles on the film's opening weekend. Okay, hello. Hi, uh, my name's Pete Hammond. I'm going to moderate today. I hope you all enjoyed Pain and Glory. This is one of the best movies of the year, I think, yes. Um, I got to see it at its premiere in Cannes, and I haven't forgotten it. It's a beautiful film. So without further ado, uh, please welcome the star of the movie. He won the Best Actor Award at the Cannes Film Festival for this. Please welcome Antonio Banderas. And uh, he needs no introduction. You've seen all of his uh, films, I'm sure. Extraordinary uh, director and writer. Please welcome Pedro Almodovar. All right, well, congrats. Look at this, a packed house here today. Um, Pedro, uh, this movie yes. is actually part of a trilogy for you, isn't it? Uh, sort of started 32 years ago with um, Law of Desire and then Bad Education. All three involved directors that are in it. Yes, it was not, um, I mean, I, I didn't think about when I was writing this script. Uh, but I think it's an, a kind of unconscious trilogy. And the three of them, the three, uh, in the three of the movies, the main character, uh, the male character also, is, is a film director. Um, and I think uh, the three of them represents, represent um, more or less uh, my life in the different periods that, 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 it was, that it was made, that they were made. I mean, the middle of the 80s, at the beginning of, the, of this century and now. But, um, but it's true that uh, in, in the three of them, the more that I think really, um, because I'm projected in the three of them, absolutely. But this one is the, the one that represents me more, uh, more uh, my intimacy, if I can say. Would you say this is the most personal film that you've made? I mean, all my movies are personal. Uh, all of them. Uh, <laughs> and I am also very represented in, in, in the 21 that I did. But in this case, this is, I mean, in this case, is the first time that I take myself as reference for the main character. Uh, this is the first time that I do. And, um, and it doesn't mean that it's my, exactly my biography. But I, everything that happens in the movie is familiar to me. And uh, I made mine, the, my memories, of course, but also the memories of my family, of, of my sisters, of my brother, and also the people that I was living with. And the, so everything is mixed with fiction. You cannot write, even if you want to make up a self-portrait. Uh, there is a moment that many people are including and working and the, so there is that creates a kind of distance with the material. So I always try to just to fictionalize uh, 
Um, but it's true that I'm behind everything and above all uh, uh, behind the character of Antonio. Yeah, I noticed though that some of it, your, your house, the clothes, um, obviously the hair, uh, <laughs> is uh, all authentic, I mean, in terms of... Uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but I, I, I got the feeling that also the movie could be uh, as good as it is, or uh, the same movie, even without my painting, my furniture, and my hair. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, when, when, you, when you are in pre-production, you, you start uh, just to... Uh, to making the choice of the hair, of the decoration, and all that, and uh, it, I mean, he could live in other place, but uh, I thought that this, I mean, my house fit him well, um, and also fit him with the kind of clothes uh, he wear. Um, so, yo, I mean, really, I did it for pragmatic reason. <laughs> uh, it was easier, and also. I mean, for the for the production designer, uh, was everything was easier because if I mean there is a kind of corner with that needs some object, I just they go to my house and they pick up something, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so it's um, no, it's true, it's true that I that I that I gave to the character my I mean they, we made a replica yeah. uh, of my house and also all the paintings belongs to me. Uh, and some of the clothes and the sneakers were mine too, uh, but it was because because it fit them well with with the character and with Antonio, and uh, but I also, always I had the feeling that I was making a movie, yeah. uh, you know even if I of course I identified the sequences um what uh, with we were talking about, um, but uh, for me it was very clear. Uh, when I was in the studio, uh, when I went back home, even that they were exactly the same. Uh, and also when I direct Antonio, I, I, I didn't have the feeling that, Antonio, you are doing my real character. No, I mean, uh, I was directing for the specific uh, scenes and giving the, 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 I mean, just the information that for him as an actor, but I, at least uh, I have, up a distance with the character, I never see myself. I was moved when I loved the sequence as the result of the performance. Um, and perhaps in once, I was also moved because I was especially touched by the, by the sequence. But um, I mean, it's the first time that I do something like this. And it's not difficult. I mean, just uh, there is one moment in, in the script when you're thinking about yourself, but also there is a moment when you, when you, they, they, I mean, the situation established this distance with the material, and the, you are part of the exterior, not the, I mean, it was like when I was writing something based in another reality. I mean, the difference is what it was, it was my reality, but I, but I treated the same, in the same way. And how great to be back with Antonio Banderas, I mean, who you've worked with in so many movies, and Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down, of course, and, um, and others. And this great, great performance here. So Antonio, what was it like getting back here? And w was there any kind of uh, thing going like, oh my gosh, am I playing him, or how am I gonna do this? <laughs> All the time. 
<laughs> Every second of the day, yeah. No, um, of course, there, there was that kind of thought, um, and especially when I see that he was providing the movie with details that were very specific, all the exterior side of the movie, you know. Um, the house was an exact replica of his house, the clothing, the hair. Um, then we have to provide the character with a soul and, um, and make it real. And, um, and in order to do that, you know, I, what I couldn't afford was to do an imitation. Right. Because it, it would have been, uh, it would have taken the movie to a, a completely different universe that I didn't want to. Uh, it would have been a parody. And I didn't want to do that, especially for the Spanish uh, audience that know very well the maneuverism of Pedro. And there is a number of things there that I just was trying just to avoid. He offered me the possibility to f use some of that maneuverism. And eventually there are little details here and there, very, very little, that I can push a little bit and get out immediately because I didn't want to go there. Every time that I had... Uh, a doubt that I had um, any type of tribulation, I went back to my Bible, which is the script. And, uh, and the script is specific. And uh, so I just uh, hung on those specifics to uh, start putting together these puzzles, you know. And then there were, <coughs> as I've been saying before in other interviews, you know, there were additional, uh, you know, um, information that came to me that I was not expecting. Um, especially uh, emotional information is not very common that actually uh, you know you are playing a character who is directing a movie and uh, <laughs> yeah and so you know eventually I had that type of information coming from him that was uh, very specific and it was not produced by words it was produced by emotions literally, that, that, that happened during the time that uh, we were shooting. Um, sometimes even in the rehearsal, Pedro loves to rehearse, and we were putting together the scene, and then when we got to shoot them, the scene were developing a completely different way. Um, there was a scene with um, um, an ex-boyfriend mm -hmm. yeah. that came to visit that I never planned to do it like that, really. really? No. <laughs> in fact, we shot the scene the night before, and uh, and it was a master shot, and he's telling me a story, the story of you know how his life has developed. He's now in another country. He just got married. He got kids. He got a restaurant. It's a number of things that he's telling. It's remembering situations that we live together, and the, and the scene was you know yeah emotional, but it was you know uh, it's almost like two friends just telling a story, coming to terms after many years. But it was late that night, and we couldn't complete the scene. So we went home. And the next morning, we went to the set, and uh, Leo Sbaraglia, a fabulous Argentinian actor, he said to me, uh, do you mind if we go first uh, with your shots? Because you know I got a lot of text, uh, and I, uh, I would like just to practice while we're doing your shot. And I said, no, I don't have any problem with that. So just, and so we talked to Pedro. Pedro put the cameras on me. And I don't know. What happened? But he's telling me the story, and suddenly I got caught by this emotional wave that has to do, I think, f with many years of knowing Pedro, of my head going back to the 80s, recognizing that actually we were talking about things that they were real. I don't know. 
uh, <laughs> I started getting all these waves of emotion coming to me, and, he, and, and I thought he was going to cut. And sincerely, I thought, because we never went that far. And so I thought, and he didn't cut, he didn't cut, he didn't let it go. Let it, it was go. wonderful to just to watch that. <laughs> I was very surprised too uh, uh, for, uh, for his reactions. I was very, I mean, like that. Uh, and of course, I, I, <laughs> I never cut that. It was very but interesting. It was, uh, but it was a, a surprise for everyone. Yeah, it, it went for me. The thing is that it's very interesting because then the character like um, uh, 40 minutes la later in the movie, says to another actor, you know, um, it's better to don't cry. It's better those <laughs> actors who hold the tears. It's <laughs> 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 you know? uh, a nice contradiction. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but the, the whole entire movie is, is filled with actually no, but you control like the tears in a way. Yeah, it was, was wonderful just, just to, to see your eyes <clears throat> brighten. And, and it was a real, real and deep emotion. So that's always uh, is good for the movie. No, but, but we were surprised. Yeah. No, the only thing that it was new, I mean, that was I, was, I was very concerned about the block of sequences with the former lover, because it's very important in the movie, very important. And, um, and as they don't have a, a kind of erotic sequence, then it was not that easy. I mean, I mean, they have a long conversation, right. but what I told them is that the audience should see that you were lovers and that you love each other deeply and physically, yeah. something physical. Um, so, uh, and you have to do it, yes, I mean, with your face, in the way you talk, in the way you look to the other. And both of them, they understood very well. Um, so when Leo, Svaralia, uh, or Tatsin, or so, or they are very close, that you you can see that intimacy uh, between them. Between them, the only thing that I that I did like more is uh, in the script the kiss was included, but the night before I thought that I mean I thought it was a good idea for the character just to demonstrate that these two guys that they have two different lives, um, they, can, they can be excited by the other, even in that situation 30 years later. And above all, that's good. That's good for them. Yes, to see, I mean, you were horny, and you too. But what's more important for that is not only to excite the, the audience, which is also very important, <laughs> that boys and girls are excited <laughs> with that kiss, they told me, many people from both sexes, from, from both genders. Um, but what was important is that in that moment, I represent two different um, ways of living sexuality with another man. I mean, one is the bisexual, which is uh, Leo, that uh, he asked him, I mean, if you want, I can stay here the whole night. And, and also, uh, because he can go to Buenos Aires again and keep on with his life. Like, not like nothing happens, but you know, he has another kind of living. This is for the bisexual, but for the homosexual, uh, it was tougher because then it meant, it meant so it means, for example, that the relationship, if he says yes, that the relationship has not uh, ended, that the situation continues, the love continues to go on. So the fact that he says no is the thing that's going to actually liberate him from that situation. 
and to reject them even despite the fact that he still desires him, uh, it means that he can sort of exert some control over his life in a way that he's not being able to do so with the other things that are happening uh, at the moment. And in fact, after he's able to say no to him, that's when he then goes to the doctor in order to try to find solutions for all of the other things that have taken control over his life. There is something that it doesn't go only on, on these scenes, uh, but all throughout the movie uh, in my character that I discovered very, very early in, in the process and when we were in the period of rehearsals, and is the capacity that the character had to express a lot of things when he was not verbalizing them. When he's working uh, actually with the way that he look at others and react to others. And there was a, a number of things. I mean, yes, of course, the kiss is important to express that sexuality. But there is something that I, I, uh, I love to do. There is a moment, for example, that he is showing me pictures of his kids and his life, right? And so he, he's forced to look at that. Now, I'm here. And when he's looking at those pictures, I can, without him knowing, I can look at him and I can show the desire, you know, our past, uh, a number of things. And then if you look at me, I just put attention to what he was showing me. <laughs> uh, you know, so I just play with that all the time. In, in a way, he's playing in the intimacy because I don't allow him to see wh how am I feeling at that moment, mm -hmm. but the audience can see it. Totally. And that is a good segue to see if you guys have any questions here, right there. Yes, go ahead. So wow. the, the question for Antonio is, how does he feel about ignoring his, uh, he's opening his own theater in, in Malaga? Well, I, I must say that, um, I, I just told him before, yeah. um, <clears throat> I arrived yesterday from Malaga uh, around six o'clock in the afternoon. I got in bed at nine o'clock. Uh, last night, and I woke up like at eleven last night, and that's it. And I am, <laughs> and I'm here. And uh, I came from rehearsals. I bought a theater uh, three years ago, which is one of the most stupid romantic things I have ever done in my <laughs> life. I <laughs> found actually a very romantic way to ruin myself. Which at the beginning I used to say this as a as a joke, but now. It's true. I ruined myself, <laughs> and uh, but I am going to open on the fifteenth of November, and I have been on the phone all the time. This is linked also to a school where I have six hundred kids studying uh, performing arts. They are, you know, scenic arts, uh, singing, dancing, and acting, and so it's a, more than a theater. And I am opening actually with uh, an American play, a classic American play musical called A Chorus Line, oh. and, <laughs> and actually <laughs> I am. I am co-directing with Bayork Lee, one of the cast members of the original cast member, and at the same time, I am playing Zach, and oh, the, um, the choreographer uh, and stuff like that. So, the, yeah, I feel good, tired when I go back in a week and a half. I have five more days of rehearsals, and we open. And I hope that this guy is going to be there, too, for the opening night. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I'll be there. <laughs> Amazing. Yes. Okay. He's just saying, why did you make this film? How does it fit in with everything you've done before? Well, we talked about two films that were part of a trilogy that he's done here. I think I had to make 20 films before I shot a film that is quite that, as intimate as this one. 
because it's a film about the passing of time and I couldn't have done it earlier than this. So the initial impetus is true, came out of the fact that I myself was suffering from back pain and as a way to distract myself I was just writing out some different situations. And so with that, the, the, the sequence that the film starts with where, where he's in the water and the, the relationship with water then took me to memories of my childhood and before I knew it, I was writing a story that was about myself. Uh, I didn't know why. Um, because I didn't do as a therapy. I don't think any, any director make a movie uh, as a therapy. Uh, even I, I believe in the quality, in the, in the holistic quality of of making a movie, but um, uh, I, I, I really don't know, and it happens to me the same uh, with the other movies. I don't know why I write this specific movie and not other story. Um, I need to feel hooked, uh, but it's a um, um, sentimiento extraordinario que no tiene que ver con lo racional. It's an extraordinary, almost supernatural sensation. No supernatural, no supernatural. Extraordinary. Extra out of the ordinary. How's sí. that? Out of the ordinary. It's an out of the ordinary feeling uh, that you can't really explain. The problem is just to know a little English, I, I then did you a, correct, you know. I took a liberty of, of translation, sorry. <laughs> no, that is, is, is something that I always, when I write something, I'm not conscious about the reasons why I'm writing that. Uh, I only know that I want to do it and I'm convinced that I need it. Uh, so that necessity, I'm, I'm not conscious about it and I don't mind really because what I, what I, what I need is just the passion of doing it. Uh, and then I felt that passion with this story. Uh, and, uh, and, and I don't, I don't know if that was my case because I made also sometimes in bad education uh, and also in Volver, I put part of my memories. But it was, um, I mean, for the character in this case, for the character of Antonio, um, it was... Because it's the first time in his life that he's actually paralyzed and almost held hostage in his own house. And therefore it made him, the, it, it left him the sort of perfect victim uh, to, because he's still of memory sort of assaulting him. Uh, because before this, he had not really stopped to think about his past and now his past is coming back to him. No, ha tenido una vida muy rápida, ha hecho muchas películas, ha triunfado mucho, ha amado So mucho, up until this point, he's had a very successful pasado, career, he's moved fast, he's loved hard, he's had great successes, but now that he's actually at still at home and memories are returning to him, in fact, it is true that the return of memories can become a very therapeutic. And those, and those same memories are the thing that, in the end, save him. Una vez construido el personaje, and once I created the character, uh, since he was living in my house and he was wearing my clothes, uh, then all, all the memories that he was, all my memories then served the character as well. So in the film, there's actually three parts that were actually written before I started the script. Como set pieces. 
as set pieces. Una era el monólogo, so one was the monologue, which was a little bit different, but I had written about 20 years ago. 20 años, eh, and also sort of the chapter that, that we called the, the first desire. We ha I had already written that. Y tenía, todo ello lo tuve que and so even though everything had to be rewritten for the film, uh, this encounter with an actor, with an actor from the past, which was a bit of a sort of a almost screwballish sort of comedy, uh, kind of sinister as well, was something that I already had that then I adapted for the film. O sea, las tres set pieces tuvieron que ser adaptadas para que entraran y se acomodaran en esta historia. Pero eh, es algo que ya he hecho con otros guiones, que de pronto, quiero decir, como él... And this is, for example, something that I've done before, where I have these, these previous pieces, these set pieces, who suddenly, if you like, find a home in the film that I'm making, and I readapt them for that situation. I did that with Talk to Her, with a, with a little silent film that's a 10-minute uh, sequence in the film that's actually uh, a longer sequence that I had already written, that was already written before. Uh, and so then these, these set pieces eventually find their place in a different screenplay that I'm working on. And this is, of course, not a usual way of writing screenplays. In fact, I wouldn't actually recommend that anybody go uh, about doing this. But what I do recommend is that one writes all the time and every, and every day because then you can sort of um, uh, uh, grab or usurp those pieces and then insert them in things that you're working on. All right, we have time for one more. Yes, right there. Yeah, that's you. Hi. So the question is, she's writing a screenplay, uh, and they're writing a screenplay that is, has an autobiographical edge. And so what advice would you give them about how to go about writing something of, if this, of this character? Bueno, trata de no justificar tu vida cuando la escribes. So try not to justify your life when you're writing about it. Tampoco, quiero decir, ¿cómo te diría? Sé cruel con tus propios recuerdos. And be quite cruel with your own memories. O sea, no complaciente. Don't be complacent. Pero a la vez tampoco tengas miedo de mostrarte demasiado sentimental contigo misma. But also don't be afraid to show yourself to be overly sentimental towards yourself. Lo mismo que le digo al actor que no, que yo prefiero que no llore, pero si afloran las lágrimas porque no puedes contenerlas, déjalas fluir. So for example, it's the same thing that I say to actors that I prefer that they don't cry, but if the tears come naturally, then I encourage them to let them happen. Y bueno, una vez terminado, enséñaselo a dos o tres amigas de mucha confianza para que de las que te fíes. Y escucha lo que te dicen de ello. Once you're done, uh, share it with two or three uh, friends who you trust and listen very carefully to what they tell you. Pero en cualquier caso, si no estás de acuerdo con lo que ellas te dicen, haz lo que tú quieres hacer. And in any case, if you don't agree with them, do whatever you want to do. <laughs> and good luck. And good luck. And with that, let's thank Pedro Almodovar and Antonio Banderas. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the Landmark Theatre's Q&A podcast. If you want to hear more conversations with filmmakers about the latest independent, foreign, and documentary films opening at Landmark Theatres, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app or visit our podcast website at landmarktheaters.podbean.com. You can also check out our YouTube channel for videos of Q&As and other exclusive content. See you next time. <laughs>